up everybody and how's it going and welcome back to another episode episode 12 of the jags across the pond official podcast i always as uh your co-host robson and i'm joined by my other co-host jamie jamie how you doing mate good afternoon evening morning whenever time you <laughs> listen to it everybody yeah i'm very well thank you very very well how about yourself yeah good mate uh we got a lot of our chest the other night so it was uh, good to come into this one with a bit more of an open mind and looking ahead uh to uh the Chargers game this week obviously looking at more of uh the fan questions I think is the most exciting part about it we couldn't get in there tonight so we're sorry about that but we're definitely gonna get through those tonight so a rundown of what me and Jamie are going to discuss Jamie's gonna break down the history between the two sides um as always and then I'll touch on uh, some mainline statistics about the LA Chargers I remember to say LA now not San Diego been long enough um gonna be touching on those then me and Jamie will cover both sides of the ball with more of an open discussion and uh, just try and take on some key points from there. And then right at the end, we're going to... Uh, obviously, then we'll have predictions also as well that we'd always do. But also as well, the fan questions that we had left over from the other night that we couldn't get to. We're going to have a good deep dive into those and hopefully see some very, very interesting questions like we did the other night. Uh, I don't know about you, Jamie, but that was a real fun part for me the other night. I thought some of the questions were very tricky. Wasn't expecting some of them. Something quite brutal in terms of the optimism that we got. But uh, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed them. Tell you what, it's actually good to be honest. Um, uh, to be quite frank, the first few podcasts been far too, far too pleasant and nice and optimistic about the Jags, and to be able to actually probably um, sit back and talk some bit of truth, I suppose, has been pretty good, and it, it, it was well needed. So I think we should probably run fan questions every couple of weeks, so we won't make it every podcast, but maybe every two weeks, um, just to keep everybody kind of on board and um, give them what they want, really. To run, I can't agree more. So, as we said just then, Jamie's going to kick us off with the history of the two teams looking forward to Sunday's game against the LA Chargers, mate. So, crack on. Yeah, so Jags versus Chargers. So, these haven't met each other a lot of times in the history as well, the same as Lions the previous week. Um, we've actually played each other 11 times. It's not good listening and not good reading. Of those 11 times we've played each other, we have lost eight games and only won three. The last game we played was last season, beginning of December, where the Chargers absolutely fucked us 45-10. If I remember that game rightly, that was when Austin Eckler went off for a day and had a fantastic kind of record-breaking day for him there. The last game we beat them was actually the 2017 season, which is the last time we beat anybody, I think, um, as a general captain on these pods. We actually beat them in overtime, 20-17. to 17. That was a very good, um, hard-fought game that was, and really, really good for us that year. But that's a distance pass now, that's 17-year. Overall, these scores is Chargers 336 points and Jaguars 188. So there's no real beef, no real kind of matchup history between them kind of standout plays or performances to be honest and so that's that's really that's all the really the history comes down to to be honest I take it you've deep dived into the Chargers current season and how they're getting on and how they compare to us Robson yes yeah so again I think what we found last week I think we both agreed that some of the stats on the Jags side despite being one and four at the time now one of five the statistics were in our favour and I think that caught me and you both by surprise so looking into this again Yes, we're taking into account that the Chargers have had a bye week. They're coming fresh off that, so lots of time to prepare for us. Um, but in terms of in terms of the stats that have come down to main line that we always do, uh, first downs, the Jags at 132, but the Chargers at 107. Interestingly enough, obviously the 
they've had they started with Tyrod Taylor and then with that mystery injury that he got, um, they've had Justin Herbert in ever since. Uh, yeah. So they've gained 36 of those first downs with rushing the ball. Obviously, with Eckler being injured, they they might stay around that number now quite low, but passing 63. So it's quite evident that they're using Justin Herbert's arm to really tear defences apart. Third downs, both teams very similar. Jags sit at 35 um, uh, completions on third down uh, at 73, and the Chargers 34-71. So very even in there again bearing in mind the bye week that the Chargers just had. Again, fourth down, we know that the Jags have had a torrid time on fourth down. Don't really want to, probably won't see it too much longer with Lambeau coming some news about him getting almost cleared to come back onto the um, onto the active roster. So three of 10 on fourth downs and the Chargers two and six. So again, fairly similar there. We outweigh the, uh, the Chargers in total offense, 2,107 total yards for us, 1,951 for them. Over 1,500 of those come by the pass for us and 1,300 by them. Rushing, we outweigh them considerably at 536 rushing yards to their 161, which is a real surprise for me considering Anthony Lynn is a former running back and a former running back's coach. Um, so that surprised me a little bit there. They don't really do a lot with the ball in hand. Sacks, again, much closer than what it probably should be in terms of if you compare the two sides on defence. We come away with five sacks. And the uh, LA Chargers have come away with eight, four of those going to the highest paid defensive end in the league in Joey Bosa, which is a bit of a frightening thought. The fact he's got half of the team sacked. So I know we'll touch on that a little bit later on, but that's just an eye opener there. And the touchdown ratio, Jackson at 15, Chargers at 13. Possession stats again, I'm not surprised that the Jags are outweighed in this one. The Chargers hold on to the ball average about four minutes extra. So probably a good, another good drive in there, really. Um, which for me isn't too much of a surprise. They seem to have a much more powerful, powerful offense uh, that's molded around what they want to do with Herbert in the future. And also their defense as well uh, is pretty damn scary. So I know that you're going to kick us off with the defense, mate. How are we going to try and stop this rookie QB and some of the deadly weapons that he does have on his team? Like we said on our podcast a couple of days ago, we, we don't want to become that broken record again and saying the same things over and over again. So we are going to keep this short and sweet and probably just look at the top line on um, offense and defense on this. Um, but going into this game then, so Jags are currently 9.5 underdogs, which is a huge number. So that's two scores. They're expecting to beat us by two scores. Um, and that's quite high. If anybody is into kind of betting, that's quite a high um, score turnaround on there. And also, the app, they're expecting um, the, the kind of spread to be 49 points. Um, so, as you briefly said there, so Herbert has come in and played four games now for them. And he has slung the ball about. Um, he doesn't look like a rookie QB. He looks like he's been around for a few years and he is connecting extremely well. Um, they've got some great talent on their offense. Obviously, their receiver, their main receiver, obviously, Keenan Allen. Um, he has... Um, he has caught 356 yards so far this season. Um, and then their second leading reception is um, Henry, who's their tight end with 268 yards. Um, their leading rusher is Eckler. However, he, he is out. Um, he has got 248 yards. Um, but the second guy who has um, who is leading their rushings is a guy called Kelly. Um, he has got 203 yards. However, a, a promising stat that um, has come out of that, he has actually um, fumbled the ball twice and lost the ball on both of those fumbles. So um, one quick takeaway for um, for our defence there, if we can get pressure onto 
pressure onto him early on um, and get that ball out of his hands because it it sounds like he, he might not be able to secure it as well as the likes of Eckler. Um, so if Schobert gets a good tackle on him or anyone on the D-line gets a good tackle on him, a couple of gang tackles and hopefully we can put a bit of pressure on um, their um, run game there. So it's the standard again. I mean, you'll probably hear the same, Robson. It's all the standard, really, <laughs> with the defence. Um, we need to stop the run game, um, but we really can't get away from the um, the passing game as well. Um, because they, if I'm being honest, is probably what the first the first matchup um, that we've kind of looked into this season where I'd say they've got a great all round game. I mean, they are currently sat one and four. Um, but they've the games that they've lost and the game won um, was all within a score. So I think against the Bengals they they won 16-13 in the first game of the season, and then they lost 23-20 to the Chiefs, then 21-16 to Panthers, then 38-31 against the Bucks, and then 30-27 against the Saints. So they're all very close games. So their record is quite deceiving as well, and um, at one and four. Um, I can really see them putting on a few um, few yards on this this week, um, and it is quite scary, really. Um, with the defense, I, I I just need to see our guys clicking a bit more. Um, we have still got the um, injury concerns. Um, we have got Miles Jack questionable again. Um, we have got Allen who's questionable again. Avery Jones questionable. Wilson questionable. All on defense. Um, I have heard that Allen is likely to be back playing this week, um, but that's obviously not confirmed yet. Um, so we've got some big starters there that are still questionable this late on in the week, um, which I am still concerned about. Chargers obviously have 110 points in total so far out of their games. They've played out of the five games, um, which is... Um, it's pretty good compared to our 125s. We have got a little bit more, but we have extra game. Um, and the Jags have let up 37 penalties for Love. 324 yards in total, whereas the Chargers have only let up 28 penalties for 205. So they're kind of the top line things that I wanted to kind of get out there. So um, it's the same broken record every week. We need to get the defence off the ball as quick as possible. We need to stop them from allowing their run game. We need to look at our coverages um, and not allowing up any um, silly yards and gains. And then the penalties is the biggest thing, as always. The things that always breaks down um, breaks down our defence and really drops their heads and results in uh, their offences always getting a score. It happens every single week. It drains the momentum of the defence um, because obviously they keep on getting new first downs um and yeah that's probably the biggest thing to take away is the penalties again we get rid of some of these silly penalties like i said 324 yards we've let up on penalties this season that is between o and d but that is predominantly the defense um and yeah try and rush the passer however i am concerned that their um, quarterback has got legs also very similar to Joe Burrows. He's got the legs to kind of run out of tricky situations, which um, we, we've kind of seen a couple of times this season from Burrows to Sean Watson and stuff as well. So that's my quick breakdown of the defence. What, what's your? Uh, have you got anything to add on the defence? Do you want to go straight into offence? Yeah, I think I'm just on the defensive point of view. I think we've 
we've seen how bad we have been and we've got better don't get me wrong uh especially in the secondary but obviously they do frighten me a little bit in terms of their receivers they've got their main skill guy in Keenan Allen who's a bit of a beast uh and obviously they've got Mike Williams as well who's just an absolute frame so those two outright do scare me and then again their tight ends always involved Hunter Henry I do like him so yeah we can have our hands for him and as you said that that injury list that you just wrapped off then was kind of got me thinking, oh my God, here we go again, because it's going to be a long, long day, I think. But all we can do is just try and be as collective as possible. Try and do get to her, because I think I think we can, I think I think he's more mistake prone than Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is much more collective in terms of these situations when he gets rushed. Um, I think Herbert has shown already that some rookie tendencies have been quite wild uh, with a few thrown picks here and there. So if we can try and force him into a couple of those, as we did get a bit better with the rush uh, last weekend, against the Lions. I hope that we can try and uh, emulate that again. But again, it's just going to be uphill sledding again, if you say it's going to be a little bit tougher, especially if people aren't fully fit and we are scraping the barrel again uh, in terms of starters. In terms of the offense, um, yeah, for me, the offense this week, uh, this is the this is the beginning of that five-game stretch I mentioned where we play some unreal defenses and um, we couldn't have got off to a worse start in terms of the start of this five-game stretch. Um, as this defense is frightening, I'm just going to put it out there now. There's your optimism, Darren, mate. Like I'm not I'm <laughs> worried about how we're going to go here. Um, pass rush to start. Off, I, I mentioned earlier on Jay Bosa, four sacks, frightening guy. Seems to tear up any tackle he goes up against. Not only have they got uh, Melvin Ingram on that line as well, who's also a beast. Uh, their secondary as well, despite they've got Derwin James out injured with an Achilles uh, with a ligament problem. Um, They've still got a frightening secondary. They've got uh, Chris Harris, Casey Haywood, Desmond King, uh, all back there. So although our receiver group is very good, I think they're going to find it very, very tough going um, on the day. Um, as the Chargers currently sit top five uh, on third down situations, they they seem to lock that up really well. So if you get into a third and five, third and six, which we do tend to see ourselves in quite a lot, Jamie, I think we could see a little bit of an issue because they do seem to man up pretty well in terms of how they scheme it. Obviously, ex-head coach is their DC, Gus Bradley. I don't know how everyone wants to take that, but he'll probably know what sort of way he can combat us uh, in some ways. And they do tend to be really, really good, um, especially man coverage, which I think some of our receivers kind of do struggle to get out of a little bit and get uh, obviously get open. But then again, if the pass rush is coming on Minshew, I fear that he could probably be the one getting his head knocked off this weekend. DJ Chuck has did last Sunday. But overall, I think if anything's going to become a success, I think it's just underneath. I think going deep is going to be an issue. I think with Shane Mitchell's weaknesses, throwing the ball deep has been a problem. Uh, I think we could see a lot from the running backs uh, this week, just trying to get the ball out quickly. Those slant routes that we kind of see the uh, Keenan Cole, Chanel and Chark running a variety. Um, I think that's probably going to be our only way of getting any joy. Just get the ball out of his hands early. Um, stop him getting mullered. Uh, and hopefully give us a good chance at getting in those short yard situations, which I would fancy us with the run because the O-line is good enough to hold them uh, in those short yarded situations where we can just pound the rock, get Robertson through a gap maybe and move the chains again. But I think also it's going to be really, really tough. And we found our red zone uh, completion rate is really, really poor, not too far on the figure. But again, I know that the charges are in the top eight within the red zone. I think out of I think the seven or eight drives in there, they've only let up one or two scoring uh, situations. So it does show, which again may show a weakness where they do get thrown on quite a lot from deep. But um, yeah, that for me was a bit of a 
bit of a worry, if I'm honest. Uh, I don't know if you've got anything else to add on that, but I think like going into this game, I'm just a little bit worried, especially what we've got to come after the bye week and then further on with the next four games where we play some unreal teams. I don't know about you, mate. Yeah, a couple of things I've just wrote down in this game. So firstly, there is a familiar face is in their um, DC position in Gus Bradley. Um, so our, our old um, head coach, he is there. You see, not that means too much to us as um, our team is different from when he was last at the Jags. Um, but that's just a familiar face there for us. Maybe he'll feel a little bit sorry for us um, and <laughs> not put so many points and um, allow our offence to run a little bit. Um, the other things I, I kind of put up. So um, the Chargers defence, even though they are looking pretty good, um, they are giving up on average 273 yards a game in the air. Um, so that does show positive signs for Minshew to be able to launch the ball, hopefully not just in garbage time. Uh, they are, but they are absolutely great on the um, their rush D at the moment and only averaging 107 yards a game, um, which is pretty good for them. Um, the... The other thing that we've noted, I've noticed from their previous games is um, the Chargers seem to kind of their defense seem to kind of let down and get let themselves down in the second half. Um, so the yeah, first I, half yeah. from games they've done extremely well, um, and they're only an averaging um, can, they're only conceding an average eleven points in the first half, and then obviously yeah. they're in games completely turn over and change obviously in the second half. So. Um, for example, obviously, Bucks finished with 38 points. Saints finished with 30. Um, so there is a couple of games there where they are conceding over 30 points. I mean, two very respectable good sides there in Drew Brees yeah. and Tom Brady throwing the ball. Um, but that could play in Jags' favour ever so slightly because Jags actually, in fact, are only averaging eight points going into the first, going into the end of the first half. Um, and then we kind of become a second half team, not not great. Um, but we are becoming a second half team and that could be just the stats showing that because um, all the opposition we've gone against are obviously gone in with the lead so um, they've kind of led up a bit and kind of let us play our game a little bit more um, and we've had more time with the offence on the field um, but that's just a little positive um, kind of thing to look into and the, the last thing to just kind of take away from this really actually um, is maybe, maybe because we are at lose this and I don't think anybody predicts a win at this stage um, against the Chargers um, maybe the pressure will be off of us um, and we could go out and stay competitive with this game I mean there's that optimism again and um, I give my school, when I give my score prediction in a moment um, that that optimism's gone however I, ju- I, I just feel that um, we could um, go out and just like the, the the players could go out with no pressure on them and could just be told to um, go out and do the best you can. And players could be going out just to increase their own stats, their highlight reels, you know, um, and in very similar kind of fashions against the Colts. We wasn't expected to go out and win. Everyone had wrote us off. Not one person predicted a win for us. Um, and we went out and snatched the win. Um, maybe that could be the case um, here with the Chargers game. Yeah, mate, to be fair, that <laughs> for a moment there you got me going. I was like, oh, yeah, I like where you go with that, mate. And then I thought to myself, oh, yeah, well, that week one victory goes like a long time ago now. So let's um, get that out to work. Yeah, uh, let's get that out to work. What's, what's your score predictions? What are you thinking? Optimistic head on or ho- optimistic head off? I don't know how to play this to us with you. Uh, I've got let's two scores written real. down. I've got, yeah, I've got two scores written down for my. 
for my non-optimism uh, in the Jags at the moment, how badly we're playing, uh, I've got them down as uh, 35 to 10 losers on the day. But with my Jags hat on and trying to be creedy, uh, I did go for a uh, 31-28 shootout, where I think, in, again, that's a high possibility. I think there's going to be a lot of points in the game. I don't know if it's going to be close, but um, on the day, they're my two predictions, really. Obviously, wanted to go with the Jags more than anything, 31-28. But if it, if it goes how I think it's going to go, and obviously how the injuries that you brought up earlier on uh, are going to affect us, then I think that could be the way to go, really. What about yourself, mate? Um, no optimism here. We're losing this 32-17. Uh, um, yeah, not too, not too far away from each other. Um, I can see us potentially um, getting um, free touchdowns again late in the game, some garbage time just to help our fancy football matchups uh, to get get my points from Minshew on the fancy football. Um, but I can't see us doing much more than that because um, a lot of teams kind of can just kind of let us play our game and let Minshew kind of sling the ball about um, yeah. when game's already over so um i can see it i can see the um the charges taking quite a good lead um at the end of the first half and um us not putting up many points maybe a touchdown maybe a goal or two depending if lambo's back or not um and then i can see um them just kind of setting back and just getting themselves maybe a touchdown per quarter um and we then go out and get a couple of scores obviously maybe in quarter three quarter four some yeah man what about anything, anything, any plays? Have got any kind of picks? Mm, yeah, see. Um, yeah, this is a bit I actually like doing, to be honest with you. Uh, I quite enjoy doing this bit. Um, on the offensive side, I've got two written down for me at the moment because the two players that, for me, are two of our best players throughout the whole season. They've been the most consistent. Um, I've gone for LaVisca Chanel to gain um, it'd be a career high and it'd be a season high for the Jags of uh, eight-plus receptions on the day. I think he could have a busy day. I think he okay. could be involved in a lot of different things. I think they know that this is the way we, I think this is a guy we need to get involved a lot more. Uh, he's our Swiss Army knife. We can do a lot of things with him. And so I think he could have a really busy day. And again, going up against a tough defence, we need tough people like him to step up to the plate. And also I've gone for James Robinson to have uh, 150 total yards on the day, rushing or receiving. Um, as you said, the rushing defence uh, is very good for the Chargers, but I think, uh, maybe in the screen game, those short dump-offs that Minshew seems to do quite a lot. I think Robinson could get a lot from them because, again, he's a tough physical guy and I think he could be quite dangerous in that aspect. What about you on the defence, mate? Um, I'd love to see Robinson come back out and, um, yeah, play the way the way he played in the first few weeks because the last two weeks he's not been allowed to kind of play his game, in my opinion. He's probably got a bit frustrated um, as he's not been able to kind of um, run around and break free as he's been doing those predictions and for me um to be honest i'm probably doing more of a um a charges prediction here um i'm going to predict obviously herbert over 300 yards on the day and there's going to be three passing touchdowns um one of which will come from the tight end and um uh, the other two will be wide receivers or the running backs but then that's my kind of pick yeah and mm. there's going to be three passing touchdowns over 300 yards and um henry is going to receive one touchdown that's my predictions for today right into the fun bit now tough game yeah very true very very true so obviously we're going to go and hit these questions now um after that little bit there we had uh, so many the other night we didn't really reach the time and i think me and jamie didn't realize how much we love to chat about all these different questions so it was great to have all of you um 
bring them into us and hopefully get our view on it and hopefully we uh, make it a good talking point for yourselves to uh, listen out to. So, Jamie, do you want to kick off the first one? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, similar format to how we ended last week's, I think, um, if, if only one of us answers the question, just conscious of time so we can get through these last five questions from you guys from the beginning of the week. So the first one is a challenge for me to pronounce this name. Um, so I do apologise if I get this wrong. Um, I'm going with Fiegel Delaney. Um, and his question for you is, do you think high profile slash highly motivated new coach could be what is needed to turn the franchise around. I keep picturing what would happen if Saban took the job. Surely an appointment like that would make a huge difference in every aspect. Mm. Saban. Well, yeah, see, that's a that's a tricky question. I totally agree with the, the highly motivated new coach. Would it be a high profile? I'm not too sure, if I'm honest. I think, I think for me, it'd be a, a case of maybe going down a road of you've got such a young team. Would it be not a bad thing to bring in the young coach? We've seen these young coaches come into the league over the last few years, most notably Sean McVeigh and Kyle Shanahan, two really young coaches and have got great minds uh, for football. And look what they've done. Both of them got to a Super Bowl uh, with their teams after a few years. So for me, I'd be looking more down the line of a young um, a young coach myself. I, lo- I love the look of um, Eric Bieniemy, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I know people keep saying Andy Reid calls all the shots, but I've got a, a massive, massive idea that uh, Eric Bieniemy's got a big say in how they run their offense. I know Patrick Mahomes is a different kettle of fish compared to Gardner Minshew, um, but in terms of the weapons, we've got a lot of weapons that are not the same, but very similar in terms of how we want to operate uh, on the offense in terms of what receiving uh, options they do have and what we have, and also at running back, although they do have a really stacked running back room. Uh, but I think someone like him could be a good option going forward but then again we've got people on the staff at the moment that have head coaching uh, um, head coaching credentials and they might be able to do something but I think down the line it's got to be a young fresh coach uh, who's obviously I wouldn't mind someone that's not really had a head coaching job before I think it's just we all need something different I think as I've stated so many times now it's all got to be wiped clean completely top to bottom get something different a new identity uh, stop trying to be something that we're not really take advantage of what we have in terms of this young group of players especially on offence, get an offensive-minded coach in to try and blow teams out of the water by putting up loads of points. And then hopefully over time, our defence will grow within that. So that's that's really the, uh, the take on that. But I totally agree with the question. The franchise does need turning around and it needs a highly motivated coach to come in. Although I wouldn't mind seeing Saban because Saban's record is ridiculous at, at Alabama. So, But overall, I think the main thing is, and I think the, um, I think the huge difference will be getting someone in that's got a fresh set of ideas and is a highly motivated character to get this franchise going in the right direction really but if you've got anything to add on that one because that's a very good question um yeah very good question firstly if you can just um let us know that i've got that got your name right um, in the comments if you can just let us know that it's right um i have got a couple of um couple of guys who i'd like to see kind of come in but i think there's a question coming up a little bit later on i'll probably mention my guys but i think you're, you're spot on there with kind of one of your predictions um, I don't I probably don't want to see a already established head coach coming in because um, I think ex- firstly, the expectations might be a bit too high. Um, and secondly, I'd like to see someone kind of make a name for themselves. But someone external, I definitely don't want to see Jay Gruden um, taking over <laughs> the permanent job and permanent position. <laughs> Brilliant. So moving on to the next one. Also, we have a very unusual name for this one. Me and Jamie debated on this, how we're going to pronounce it. We're going to go M-I-K-E, which we all know stands for Mike. So, Mike, if you are a Mike, typo then. Uh, sorry about that, but thanks for your question again. 
Jamie, this one's for you. Everybody predicted the Jags were tanking this year. Why are the fan base so surprised at these results? This needs to happen if we're going to get a generational talent at quarterback. What do you think to that one? Yeah, I'm glad I've got this question. Firstly, um, the reason we, we are debating what this what your name is is because on your Facebook profile it is obviously first name is M-I and your second name is K-E. So some people might find that a bit weird. They're thinking, oh, well, it's Mike. It spells out Mike. But that's why we didn't know what your, what your name was. Yeah, just to cover that bit. Um, secondly, obviously, from my very first podcast, I was massively against the the tank talk. Um, and and uh, I was definitely saying we was not tanking. Um, I think I was brainwashed a little bit at that point by um, all the media, all the Jags media and all the Jags hype, really, before the season started. Um, I, I was hearing all about the great potential, all these rookies coming in. We sold, well, sorry, we released Fournette. Um, at first I was shocked and then I listened to Doug Maroon's press conference telling me that it was positive and then James Robinson came in week one and it sounded like the, the best thing for us and those guys knew exactly what they were talking about. Um, however, um, I, I now I now am fully committed to the to the tank talk as I, as I said on the podcast on Tuesday. Um, so for me, I, I'm... A, and if anybody, any of you listened to actually Jags Weekly yesterday um, and you listened to Tony Spicelli, it was a similar question asked there about what where he saw our record would have been at the at this game at this stage so far. Um, I don't think many people would have predicted us being one and five right now um, mm. at stretch two and four. But we should realistically be on at least three and three right now with the um, with the current games we've played um, so far. So um, I don't. I, I, I think that's why we're a little bit surprised is because I don't think anybody was probably predicting us to be one and five right now. Um, and yeah, you're right. We do need to do this tank talk um, to go in and get this um, this QB that everybody's talking about. That's going to be the franchise for the next 10, 15 years. That is totally correct. But um, we can't have it both ways. We can't sit here and moan and complain every single week about Jags losing if then we can't go out tanking and expect us to go out and win some games. So um, it, it's it's kind of a it's a difficult one to kind of sit here and do a podcast about by just saying, oh, yeah, we lost a game, but we're doing it for a good reason. You know, um, we can't sit here with that attitude. So um, there is no there isn't there isn't much more to kind of add on that. I don't know if anything you wanted to say with that one or. Mate, you asked everything I was going to say. So that's spot on from that. One. Yeah, it's also it's another difficult question. Um, in a sense, because obviously yeah. we were so blinded at the start of the year. The Jags media team did their best and got their money's worth in terms of selling us a dream at the start. Um, and obviously we're, 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 we are where we are now, but we can't change that. So, again, we've just got to be realistic about the whole point. I think everyone on the podcast knows that. We've got to be so realistic about what we're looking to do. We need a, we need a generational talent at the position. So that's yeah. spot on for me. Yeah, that's how I, I mean, am. I thought we were going to Super Bowl after week one. Oh, mate, I know you, I was, mate, you were loving it. I couldn't believe it. I was, <laughs> I was dreaming of it in all sorts, but it's one of those, isn't it? That's it. Right. Next question for you. Um, this is another one from Paul Squires. Um, he had one featured also on Tuesday. He, he gave us a couple of. Does the Jags playing badly work into the idea of moving them to London in the future? Could this be a planned wind down for a rebuild to take place in London? Oh, well, I think on that note, I think Paul definitely does his research and has definitely got me uh, stitched up with that question because that's a very, very good question. Um, 
as yeah, I think everyone knows who's a Jags fan. It's very well documented that we could end up being the London Jaguars in the future or the, the UK Jaguars. Or, well, I don't know what you want to call it, but London. There's obviously talk of that all the time. Obviously, Shad Khan having such an influence over here with the uh, international series, give games, um, and also he owns a football club. So, But I think overall, I, I can't see us coming over here. Um, I think, I don't, I don't think that the demand is here yet, for uh, obviously for the Jaguars, especially if Shad Khan couldn't purchase Wembley. We would never fill out Wembley at the end of the day. We've got to think about that realistically. We don't fill out our own uh, our own stadium, and that's a 60,000-seater. So you're, only, you're looking at another third of that needs to be filled to make it a packed house at Wembley Stadium. So for me, I, it, it's a long shot. Um, I think overall, apart from moving the team to a different country, I think it's moving the team in the right direction uh, and having a vision for it within the city of Jacksonville uh, is a massive thing to be honest with you because I know the fact I've not been over there personally I know you have and you've experienced it the fans in Jacksonville have been so patient over the years and have had like I said, that one winning season in 10 at the moment and not had much to, to shout home about so they're a loyal fan base they know when things aren't going well I think overall we just need to have something to to excite us uh, in regards to um, rebuilding for the future and hopefully making it a lot better uh, but for me it's it's definitely at home in uh, in Jacksonville. Although I'd love to see them over here, because I know me and you would probably be at every game and have a great Sunday evening. But I think overall, we've just got to. Yeah, I think it's got to be realistic about it. I just don't think it's going to really happen. I think it's too, there's too many moving pieces on it, and I can't really see it being uh, much of a realistic uh, thought going into the future. But Paul, thanks for your question, mate. Because that was a that was a real tricky one. But um, I know that you've uh, been quite vocal about it in terms of. The London stuff, mate. What do you think? Just quickly on that one. I do not want um, Jaguars to move to London permanently, to be honest. Yeah. Um, one reason, my own bank balance. Um, <laughs> because I'll oh, be going to every single game. And I don't know how I'll get the time off work to go to every game in London every single week. Well, every other week, sorry. Um, but then um, secondly, I don't think it's um, sustainable for an NFL team to be travelling over to the UK every yeah. every single week or every other week sorry for their matchups um think of the, the the fuss that um the other teams will put up about having to travel to the uk i mean there's some teams that have refused to come and play international series games i know it's predominantly because they don't want to let up a home field advantage but um also they, they they just don't they want to go into a bye week the week after and i don't think schedules will kind of allow that to happen so i I, yeah, I think that could be a bit of a disadvantage if the Jaguars were to come over to London permanently um, in some aspects, possibly them having to travel to obviously the away games every other week as well. Um, and then trying to tell a team of, I don't know, how many players you have. So it starts off with 80 odd players, plus then all coaching staff and stuff that their um, that their, their home team is going to be over in the UK. Um, I don't know how that would look for the draft and these college kids. I bet they're they're probably not imagining and thinking and wanting to come and come and live or kind of play their games in the UK, especially in London, you know, when um, they've probably spent all their lives obviously in the US. So um, I don't think that's something that's going to happen. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, a positive would be we get to see our team every single, um, every other week, sorry. Um, but I, I, I don't think it should happen. Also, the other reason I don't think it should happen is because I don't want to see... Um, neutral fans or fans wearing other jerseys just at the game which is what we see the international series games right now like you go to watch the Jags play um and you probably see the 32 well the 31 other teams 
jerseys around the stadium at the time watching the game because they're all neutrals um, and I don't think that would be beneficial for the Jaguars either because I think there'll be a lot of people out there that still won't support the Jaguars um, they'll just support whatever teams come over and just want to go and watch an American football game so keep it in Jacksonville um, let the loyal fans stay over there and it gives me an opportunity and excuse to go away and holiday there every year or two years whenever I can get over Spot on, I totally agree with that. Paul, thanks for your question, mate. I know I, I need to be switched on when you bring over your questions, so thank you once again for that. Two more to go. One apiece for us, mate. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Daniel Griffiths. With the way that things are going um, at the moment, will uh, Shad have? Uh, will Shad uh, Khan have to act um, at the end of the season? And who would you like to see come in if they decide to clean house? I know that you had an answer ready for this one, so uh, tell Daniel what you think, mate. Yeah, so cheers, Daniel. Um, really appreciate your question and your support again. Um, what I see with this is already looking at some form of replacements. And I hope he's just done a basic bit of research like I've just done online a couple of days ago when you post your question in um, and just seen a couple of the guys that are out there and probably ready to come in um, and take a head coach position. So I think I personally think the biggest problem well, I don't personally think I know. The biggest problem the Jags have at the moment is obviously on the defence side of the ball. Um, so I think we should really focus on getting um, someone defensive minded to come and take in the head coach role. Um, that ultimately getting Todd Wash out of a job as well um, and hopefully bringing someone else in. So someone who's a big character, um, who is going to bring staff and bring his own dynamic and bring his own kind of vibe to the team. So the first name that came up to the top of the list, um, and I can't, I don't know if I can pronounce his name. You might be better at this one. Um, and the DC for the 49ers. So Robert Salu, is that correct? I think, you know? I, I think, I think it could be Robert Salah, but Salu will do to be fair, because I think in terms of the spelling, but yeah, mate, I'll totally get you on that one. Yeah, yeah. so obviously he, um, he did apply for the Browns head coach position. Um, obviously he was turned down for that. However, I like obviously what he's done with the 49ers over the um, the Super Bowl run last year. I've seen how good their defence were. was very strong. Um, I really love their slogan. Well, his slogan is all gas, no breaks. I feel like we need <laughs> something like that to bring in a, a good positive vibe um, for our um, for our team. And um, I think he, he's probably in a position where he can look at stepping up right now. So when when you look at when you look at detail, you you sit back and you look at the teams that are doing well. So you look at the teams that weren't doing so well maybe three, four years ago, and the teams that have really turned up and started to pick up this year, um, or even last year as well. And then that opens up to um the Bills. So actually in the top five of my list, the Bills O C and the DC both appeared upon my on my list of someone yeah. that probably for us to take. Um so I personally obviously would, again, go in defensive minded. Um, Leslie Frazier, I'd probably look at taking him. He was obviously a former head coach at the Vikings. Um, again, I think another um, good defensive minded guy would be a great addition to um, the, the, the team here and obviously going into the head coach role. And then lastly, um, I would just say another defensive guy, um, again, looking at the Chiefs. So everyone says, obviously, about Reed, obviously, being a great guy and everything that he does for the team. But obviously, his two men underneath him, um, Biennemi, who obviously you've said, um, obviously, for uh, who's the OC at the Chiefs. But then obviously, then we got Spagnuolo, um, who is the DC at the Chiefs. 
again um he has won two super bowls as a dc so he has a good um a good little cv there and he was also interim head coach at the giants um a few years back as well so and he is lights quite widely around the nfl so for me they're my top three picks i would say um so a defensive coordinator on one of the um, top sides out there over the last season and obviously in this season also um, there'd be someone who I'd like to see um, kind of get promoted into um, our head coach position what about you do those names bring any surprises for you so make you think big, a little bit no I think, I think in terms of those what you've found out there I think I think Spagnuolo is definitely the, I think the eye-catching one because what he's yeah. done with that Chiefs defense everyone was like the Chiefs need a defense and then they win a Super Bowl and then he came in and he just transformed that defense into a monster they they come at you with some heavy pressures. He just don't, he don't give a monkey's what you've got in offense. He's like, I'm bringing everybody. We're going to smash you. And they do it to be fair. So credit to, I think out of all those names, he probably, he probably, he would, he would be at the top of my list. Yeah. Uh, out of those as well. And I think again, as I said, Eric, the enemy. So it's a, it's a fight for, it's a fight for the KC OC or DC really, isn't it? At the end of the day. So I think that one for me is, is, a, is quite spot on there. Mate. There's some good options in there. I think the Jags have a lot of variety in terms of options and candidates, hopefully, if they do decide to part ways with um, the current uh, coach staff as a whole. So yeah, for me, that's spot on. But And it's such a big position for someone to come over to us. Like all the capital we've got, all the draft cap space we've got as well. Um, we have got so many picks this year so it to me it actually is quite a good ideal job obviously not even talking about obviously the great weather and the low tax over in Jacksonville compared to other <laughs> states in the country I think um yeah it's a good position that I think a lot of people would potentially be looking out for if we can finally get rid of Marone. Too right I totally agree. <clears throat> so last question um and this is a question from our um from our t-shirt supplier, our merchandise supplier, so Lazy8. Um, it's from Daniel Stonehouse. Um, and fair play for him to drop in a question here. Um, he doesn't actually know much about NFL at all, if I'm honest. Um, he's more of a, um, a rugby guy. Um, and obviously he follows uh, a lot more rugby and stuff. But his question is, obviously not knowing a great deal about the team. I'm a bit out of my depth. But judging by recent results, is it time for a backroom change? And teams... A change in coaching staff usually means an upturn in performance for a team. Do you think that might be true for the Jags? So that's a good ending to all of our questions. It kind of goes summer all up. So cheers, mate. Firstly, Danny, yeah, thank you so much, mate. Thanks for everything that you're doing to help me and Jamie with the page and obviously everything with the merch. It's, it's spot on, mate. So good to get this question in. Um, mainly there, I think, yeah, um, a change of, uh, of house is needed uh, massively, urgently, as quick as they can, to be honest with you. If you get if you get first class delivery on it, I think you would do. Um, but I think, as you said rightly there, performances change massively. We saw at the weekend the Falcons get rid of Dan Quinn and they go and blow out the Panthers and they looked unreal and everyone's saying, oh my God, they're going to trade Matt Ryan and Julio Jones for loads of picks and become this great yeah. team in the future. That just shows there with one week what you can do and what sort of team you can become. Uh, I think overall, at the same time, it can be a bit misleading because you would get rid of your your backroom staff and someone normally comes in on an, on an interim basis for the rest of the season. Um, as you find with football, we're like caretaker managers and whatnot. So I think with um, the interim position, I think it could be quite misleading because that person that's running the team for those four, six, eight weeks of the season to, uh, to go, they might play a style of football on offense or defense that would suit certain players, but then you may end up getting somebody in that that doesn't suit them. So I think, 
we could end up seeing Marone Walsh gone. We could bring an interim defensive coach and he could get Josh Allen 12 and a half sacks on the year and it'd be amazing. But then we could bring in someone that doesn't really suit giving him the help that he needs to be able to get those sacks, if you know what I mean. Um, so I think, yes, I think upturn performance massively. Would we probably get a few wins? Maybe at push. We've got a tough schedule going into the end of the year now. So would be a bit of an issue. But I think overall we'd see better individual performances. I think we'd see people step up a bit more, a bit more urgency. Because I know people keep coming out and saying that everyone's behind what Marone's trying to do, this and that. I understand they've got to say that. But I think deep down, players want change. Players want things to be different. Um, they want success at the end of the day. So if we can get someone in that's going to do that for us until the end of the year, then that's great. That puts us into a good position going into the off-season, the draft, free agency with the capital that Jamie said about a moment ago. And we could build something really, really great. And I think we could become something very different than what people perceive Jacksonville to be. But then I've got on the flip side, as I just said, there's always a few bumps in that as well, where some players might get a bit comfortable under that. I think that's going to be the new norm. And then you bring someone in that's not right. As me and Jamie both said, someone that comes in that where the pressure is too high to get things done, where they try and get on top of it in terms of being too structured, as we found it with Tom Coughlin, you're trying to run like an army camp. So it's all about finding the balance with it, I think. But as you said there, Daniel, performances will change massively. And I'm a, a big benefactor, a big, a big, Fanning, us wanting to get that to be fair. I know, Jim, you probably have the same as me. I'll give you a moment to answer. But I think overall, we need that. And I think it'll work wonders for us as a team if we get rid now or within the next, or during the bye week, maybe. It will give us a, a new lease of life and it'll probably free up a lot more players that we're not really seeing contribute as much as we want to at the moment. And they might flourish until the end of the year. And that could set them off into 2021 and make it different. What about you, mate, on that one? That's a cracking question. Yeah, firstly, I'm sick to death of Doug Marone's press performances right now. Um, I know you are, mate. He's deflated in everything he speaks about, and he um, also isn't kind of giving any um for any kind of um, ideas of how we're going to improve as a team. So I feel that he knows his time is probably up as well. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see him go, just so I don't have to listen to his press conferences every other day. <laughs> Um, so that's number one. But two, yeah, um, changing the back office staff, maybe bringing an interim. It's just ever so slightly in American football than what it is to um, the likes of football, rugby um, or whatever other sport you want to choose. Only because of the, the game and the nature of how American football is. So obviously when, it, when you look at football, for example, obviously it's a team of 11 v 11. And it's very easy to go out and pull an upset and um, get a nil-nil draw, for example, with no manager or an interim guy. Um, it's a lot more difficult with the NFL. Um, but what we would see um, with a interim coming in um, would hopefully bring in out different personalities of some of our players. Um, so bringing out a different, um, especially from our young new guys as well. Um, I think even a couple of those are already looking uh, a bit deflated and a bit kind of doom and gloom, I'd say. Firstly, obviously, CJ Henderson being one of those guys. I, we've not heard from him since week one. Um, he's made a couple of mistakes and um, we haven't seen kind of his performance improve um, in kind of every aspect. And we haven't seen him kind of as a standout performer week one. Yeah, he's probably fighting an injury, but also I think some of that's down to probably some of the coaching and the motivation from there as well. So um, what I would like to see, yeah, is like I've already said, um, Todd Wash gone by the end of next week. Because um, that was the bye week, as I said, from um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, even if that was the first change that we that we kind of dealt with, um, that would be great. Or um, would we look at going the, the whole hog and getting rid of our, um, our Doug Marone now, um, get him out of the way 
Um, and then we can kind of see out the season just with different personalities and different attitudes and then kind of get ourselves on the kind of block ready for someone else to come in and take over. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for getting involved um, with the questions. I know that's probably a little bit difficult for you to kind of make up a question there and obviously you wanted to kind of get involved and stay connected with us guys and hopefully our page and um, these podcasts have got you more and more into American football um, over the last few weeks. I know you've been sending me messages and pictures of DJ Char constantly. Now he's kind of <laughs> he's your new favourite player because you keep on doing the, the Baby Shark cartoon characters to me. Um, I think he's your, your new favourite player. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for your question and all your support with um, the designs that you've been making for us. Yeah, Daniel, superb, mate. Thanks for all your help so far. And obviously, thanks for your question. And we'll continue to do that in the future. But everybody, that's that's it for the questions. I thoroughly enjoyed doing it. I know Jamie did. But yeah. that's that's all for us this uh, um, obviously in this episode. We go into Sunday, very optimistic, 8.25 kickoff against the Chargers. Um, in terms of all the social medias, you know where to catch us uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Don't be afraid to get in touch. Comment in all the posts. I know that now we and Jamie have let down our optimism guard. Um, we could see a bit more um some uh, some realistic factors going into this week and I know this week is probably a big week going into the bye week next so I think overall it could be a massive one again get in touch also if you want to try and grab hold of any merchandise we just mentioned there Lazy Edge with Daniel there uh, try and get involved on those some wicked designs we've got some more in the pipeline also as well so do get in, to- um, uh, in contact if you do wish to take those on but uh, Jamie I'll let you close out for a second time in a row mate yeah so just as Robson just said there 25 is the kickoff this week so uh, a later kickoff for us but obviously as the clocks go back as well this weekend um, it puts our game back to 8.25 so a bit of a late one for us this week and then we go into our bye week the following week so thank you very much for listening again and thank you everybody for your questions this week hopefully we've answered them to your expectations and give you a bit more of an insight and a couple of other people's opinion on that Um, and what's just the last thing for me to say is thank you very much again and goodbye